Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Six NFL games this weekend. We predicted them offline. Would you believe us if I said we got six out of six? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's optimistic. Even saying four out of six right now feels like feels feels wrong. Would have been a stretch. So we we got three out of six (laughs) after after both successfully talking each other out of one successful of one that would have been correct. (laughs) Yeah, that really that's really unfortunate. the it's the yeah usually combined wisdom um helps but in this case it hurts. no here demonstrably combined wisdom was negative i mean i i'm fine with the browns beating the steelers like w- neither of us was going to ride hard for the browns it's just it's just your 10 percent outcome coming true mm-hmm. it's gonna happen yeah 10 percent of the time i mean they had everything they had everything stacked against them and somehow they won indeed but I also think that that's the start of that game. It was just it was too much of a hole for the Steelers yeah. to get out of. Yeah, obviously. I, I actually thought that the two that we, the other two that we got wrong, which was um, Seahawks-Rams, where I had persuaded you that we should pick the Seahawks, and then Baltimore-Tennessee, where you had persuaded me that we should pick Tennessee. I, both, of those were, yeah. both of those were more defensible if you watched the games. A little bit less so that the um the Seahawks game they were kind of ho-hum from the gate it really felt like the Titans the Titans played a the a good first half and they just couldn't get things going the Ravens defense was better than expected and I think that um the form I saw I saw the Titans ahead and I was like this is it this is great this is a team that they can right. play with a lead and just keep on giving it to Derrick Henry and that that formula didn't work Yep. Yeah, because they were they were up ten zero, and I was pretty excited. I should have. I was too. Yeah, I should have. Well, whatever. Anyway. Oh well. That's that. Four games this weekend, so we're at least. What do we got? Well, we got we got Rams Packers Saturday, Bills Ravens on Saturday, Browns Chiefs and Bucks Saints. Okay. Well, let's. I think that. I think it's. I think it's got to be Bucks Chiefs Bills, Packers. Let's go for it. I feel. I kind of feel worse about the Bills really after that game. Absolutely, but I need them to win to break historical curses. This is very, very important to me. Okay, EPL is back after a week off. We cooled off, hopefully. Uh, 12 games between now and next next time we talk? What? What? Why? All right, so here's, here's what we settled on. Newcastle over Sheffield. Wolves over West Brom. West Ham over Burnley. Tottenham over Sheffield. Man U over Burnley. Everton over Aston Villa. All right, let's hope for bad weeks from Sheffield and Burnley. <laughs> nice. Or typical weeks from Sheffield. Let me, yeah, let me rephrase. Let's hope for typical weeks from Sheffield and Burnley. Yeah, yeah. Burnley, Burnley's got 16 points and like a horrible goal differential, so they can't, they can't keep up this pace. <laughs> One of these days it's going to fall apart for us and betting against Burnley. 
All right, guys on the move. Uh, let's highlight two specific ones and take a look at our rankings, and you can tell me if they are crap or not. <laughs> uh, which one do you, Which one of these guys do you want to talk about first? So Francisco Lindor gets traded along with Carlos Carrasco to the Mets for a handful of prospects, a couple of which I actually kind of kind of care about on some level. Um, Ahmed Rosario has been in the uh, the Wrath of Khan system at a point at some time before. And then the other I mean, one that's, is... That's not bad to get back. No, 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 no. I actually, I actually think that, well, I would never congratulate the Mets on a move. So therefore, <laughs> I need to congratulate the Indians on a move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing is that the the Cubs let Schwarber walk for nothing, and he signed with the Nationals. Okay. I don't know if that matters. Do you think... I guess this is my... Okay. Do you think the Nationals matter at all this year? Um, I think they matter. Yeah, they, they, they always matter. They could always win it. Exactly. Like they wanted the other... Therefore, the therefore, I think Schwarber actually matters. He's not an everyday guy, but he is a nice-to-have player on your team. But I don't think that's worth the amount of money that he's getting. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's not worth the amount of money that he's getting. But, you know, people have money. Uh, I mean, the same question applies to the Mets. Like, should we really care about this move considering that, like, what is the impact that Lindor and Carrasco are going to have on, you know, getting the Mets to the playoffs? I mean, I, I think that might they might actually get to the playoffs. Yeah, good good job. Okay. <laughs> so, but they also could be very metsy, and I don't know. Lindor can have a. I don't. I'm not going to say anything. Very metsy indeed. So our 600 plate appearance predictions for Kyle Schwarber. Let's start with Kyle Schwarber. 600 plate appearances for Kyle Schwarber predictions. 23 home runs. 92 runs, 106 RBIs. No, sorry. 90 runs, 90 RBIs. Zero, uh, zero stolen bases, in case you were no wait, way. waiting for me to forecast that. No way. We did, what are you talking about? We did, to be honest, we did forecast up to four stolen bases. So I'm immediately wondering if something is wrong here, although I sort of suspect that something isn't wrong here. We have a lower bound for Kyle Schwarber's batting average as 175. Well, that's the problem. That's been his problem the last couple of years, hasn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, no, no. He's had he's had a quite bad batting average. I guess on the surface, at six hundred plate appearances, I don't see a problem with these predictions. Right. I mean, six hundred plate appearances. But I mean, the thing that we must expect is that he's not going to get six hundred plate appearances. Do you have that number in front of you? Do they have a prediction for him? They, the powers that be. Uh. I see whatever I'm on right now is, uh, I don't have it aggregated, but I have steamer as like 515, which seems ridiculous. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't either. I don't either. Yeah, I don't. So I guess, I guess that I, what I'm saying is that I buy our rates, but I think that the number that the actual numbers that he's going to accumulate are low to the point where it's not going to help you. I mean, is Kyle Schwarber a fan, is Kyle Schwarber somebody that you should own in fantasy? 532 from 
depth charts. ETC is up. Well, Pat so he got is up. All right, 2017, he's got 486 plate appearances. 2018, 510. 2019, 6-10. Well, the assumption would be that if he's the assumption would be that if he's going from a team that didn't want to use him to a team that's going to pay him 10 million dollars, that he's going to get used, right? That would have to be the assumption. Yes. You'd hope that they have a plan to use him for, um, for more than he was used last year. Well, two twenty four and whatever. I mean, he got, yeah, no, no, no. He definitely got used last year at one eighty eight, at a <laughs> an average of one eighty eight over two hundred and twenty four plate appearances. That is insane. Wow, I think the lower bound is one seventy five. That's that's that would be pretty rough. Yeah, and it's um. This is the problem is if he gets to that number, he's not gonna be. He's not gonna have a high. Well, that's that's the thing is I'm wondering what the like what where does the feedback loop come into this? You know, like the Nationals aren't gonna aren't gonna throw him out there if he's during a regular season hitting 188. No, like there there is a feedback loop here. Like you have to get a certain number of hits or you won't get plate appearances. Well, yeah. Then- Mendoza line is uh, noted for a reason. Feeling so good. All right, here's who here's who we have him sandwiched between. We have him sandwiched between Jason Hayward and Robinson Cano. Is that is that an appropriate valuation? Like in a in a relative ranking, is that appropriate? Well, Robinson Cano is not going to be playing baseball this year, so okay. All right, uh, in that sense, fine. No. Let me skip Yandy Diaz. Michael Franco. These are guys that are near near Schwarber in our rankings. Jose Iglesias. Well, my, Michael Franco. Yeah, that's... Uh, Eduardo Escobar, my buddy. I mean, yeah, I see some guys around there that I understand. Jorge Soler. Um, I mean, I think that's about the right territory for him to be in. It's kind of funny how well that worked out. But yeah. I think those are those are guys that I would rank, that I, I would be considering all of them in the draft at at that at that point that you've said like, most of my team is figured out, like Kyle Schwarber is not going to be a dedicated position in my draft. <laughs> no, no. But if he's there and I've got, I feel like my team is starting to get gel. Um, I probably I would consider him. Okay. We know he is he is in for now a uh, facing the net, facing the uh, the Mets more frequently. Actually, I don't even I don't even I don't even know if that if that's true because I don't even we don't even know what the schedule like what their choices for the schedule are this year. Uh, how they're gonna do it? Like, is everyone playing in a bubble or what? We'll find out. All right. Well, Wait, let's... do we have Clint Frazier? Oh no, I was looking at something else. I have Clint. So I have Clint Frazier in there. What are you talking about? Fantasy, right, right near him. Oh yeah, there he is. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So the um, the fantasy pros aggregated rankings as of January eighth for experts consensus rankings um, have him as two twenty three. Uh, so there are ninety pitchers. Yeah. Would our rankings have ninety pitchers before him? Well, Probably. we we can tune our rankings to have whatever we want, but I think that's about the right number. <laughs> well, let's move up the list. Let's talk about somebody that you know actually has impact. Lindor. Yeah, Francisco Lindor. 
Move to the Mets now. Uh, predictions for him. We are not too high on his batting average. 239. Uh, 15 home runs. This is 600 plate appearance again. Uh, 80 runs. 73 RBIs. 19 stolen bases. He's deriving most of his value in stolen bases from us. Wow. So we're really down on the door. Yep. It sounds like a system that I would be on board with. I didn't assume that you were going to be the the guy riding hard for Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I mean, I think that that batting that batting average isn't going to be right. I there's something there's something not right with the batting average clusters here. Well, I think the weight kind of threw it off because the the 2020 season I think kind of botched everyone's batting averages. I mean, Lindor hit 258 uh-huh. last year. Yeah. Oh oh oh! I see what you're saying. Yeah, the clustering. So. At, there's, there are lower batting averages across the board, so it's going to bring down the batting averages for a lot of people. Yeah. So I think that's a place... That's actually... Okay, this is good. So That might be something we need to do in the model. This is productive in the sense... I mean, this is exactly what we're hoping to do with doing spot checks, right? Is, like, figure out, is there something systemically off with the model? Um, and it looks like batting averages might be. I think batting averages are low. So Lindor played 60 games last year, and actually, he's, he's pretty good because, wow, he's... He's on pace for massive plate appearances. So this actually is an under... Right. He's that's another under play, prediction. Right. He, he's a player that on 600 plate appearances is going to be off because he is... He's, he's always going to be up for more plate Those appearances. 2017, 2018. Number two wow. Hitter. Yeah. He got 745 plate appearances in 2018. Yeah, you said seven... You've, you thought 723 plate appearances was high, and then he went 745. That's crazy. And then and then his regression is to 654. I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not like 2019 was low. Yeah. So depth charts has and and steamers average him at like um, 680. Um, okay. Plate appearances. So he's going to be so naturally once we multiply this through, he's going to raise up in the averages a bunch. That's one of the things that I always have to like put my head around. Like, he's forty in our rankings right now, averaging at six hundred plate appearances. But once you multiply this through the freaking AJ Pollux, who, you know, there's gonna yeah. be a fly landing on his shoulder that's gonna put him on the ten day DL. Well, it's like he's I mean, gonna hit what's the six hundred plate? It's appearances. the Byron Buxton, right? He's right next. Like Lindor is right next to Byron Buxton in our rankings right now. Yeah, and like, well, Which, if Buxton played six hundred, got six hundred plate appearances, I feel pretty good about it. Those two guys are going different directions. Yeah. So okay, I mean, we already knew this from our discussion last week that putting plate appearances in to get proper valuations is crucial. Yeah. Because we we want to think in full season numbers. Like, I I still I came back to this again during the past week. Like, well, we should just look at rates only rates, <laughs> like. But you can't because no, that doesn't we mentally mean anything. Like it doesn't mean anything to me to think in rates. Yeah. Knowing the factor that we're multiplying it through by is going to be huge. Yeah. So I guess I'm looking at this again and wondering if the runs are for Lindor are going to be low. So even even giving him a 16% boost on these runs, which is basically it, we're still going to be we're still predicting under 100. And that's driven by his that's driven by his 2020 also unfortunately i i i mean this is the thing from from last week i am increasingly worried about the impact of 
2020 on the clusters in ways that we don't we're we're not predicting in ways that we're not predicting i think i mean i wonder if something like a i wonder if i should try something like a full season normalization in the sense that like here's the total number of runs per plate appearances for the whole mlb and normalize the statistics that way like apply a whole factor to everybody's 2020 or something I think that there's, yeah, that might be valuable. Yes, that might be valuable. I should do that, actually. I should do some predictions, do some do some basic numbers looking at the whole league for 2020 versus 2019 and just try and, that actually is how we should make progress on assessing what the weight between 2020 and 2019 should be, I think. Okay, I'll allow it. I can do it over a couple of years, too. I mean, it'll be the type of thing where you're doing the same type of analysis, like, well, how many innings are starting pitchers getting? Like, we need that for our forecast when we figure out what pitchers are doing, because that's going to have very strong import for the um, for the plate for the innings pitched. But we need to do I need to do the same type of just total global analysis for this. The question is, should we break it down by team? Like, should I think I might look at it on a team based level and just sort of what the cluster not not to map people not to map people to teams but i'm curious what the distribution of of like runs per plate appearance grouped by teams looks like why don't you do it by league first okay all right (laughs) which did have a pretty big fly in the ointment i think that about brings us to the review session Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz. Good choice talking about Edwin Diaz. Um, if you, if you, Jeez, he looks good in a Mariners jersey. I agree. It's, I mean, who looks good in a Mets jersey? <laughs> or, well, I, I mean, um, DeGrom actually does look good oh, in a Mets jersey, great quite point. frankly. Great point. All right. You answered your own, you answered the question. It's, but not a lot of people look good in orange. Edwin Diaz. Uh, had a had a reasonable twenty twenty faces one hundred and ten batters, uh, with an ERA of one point seven five, WHIP of one point two five, six saves, which is presumably why you picked him, fifty strikeouts in twenty five point two innings. It's not bad. Do you like that K rate? I mean that uh, yeah K rate. That's the K rate is anomal relatively anomalous for him. Um, previous years, he got 99 strikeouts in 80 in 58 innings, 124 in 73 innings. So he's like 50 percent well, too it's like high. A slightly, on K rate. Well, I mean, 2018 he had a 44.3 percent K rate, so it's not too far above that. But don't don't assume that that's a norm. I like Edwin Diaz, and I recognize that that's not that a lot. Too much of that is driven by the 57 saves in 2018. Yeah. But I think there's a blueprint for Edwin Diaz being a really successful closer still. Oh, uh, of course. I, I guess I should... Okay, my surprise is because I think people, as we talked about last week, people aren't... We're, even we are not putting him in that top three tier. No. He could be. He could be the top closer. Yeah. Yeah. But right, his value could could well put him in that. Can he? I mean, he's so hard to predict, right? Because he had a five point mm-hmm. five nine ERA in twenty nineteen and a one point three eight WHIP, which is 
yeah. 26 saves, but it's still virtual. It's still nearly unownable with those other with the other problems. That I mean that that really is unownable. And anyone who had drafted him got totally screwed or kept him. Yeah. What about know. someone who kept him? Do you know him? anyone like that? Do you know anyone who would have done something like that? You know, the problem, I guess the, I guess the key thing, I guess my new rule is never keep a pitcher if they're transitioning teams. <laughs> it's usually not good. I, what's, fun, what's interesting, looking at this on StatCast, um, you, can see, you, you can see how badly, how badly he was different in 2019. In 2018, his barrel percent was 3.8. In 2020, it was 6.8. In 2019, it was 10.1. Go over to hard hit, 35.3 in 2018, 38.6 in 2020. In 2019, it was 45.7. If you watched him in 2019, he was wrong. Something was wrong. Yeah. Like I know we we have no idea what it was. It's a different picture. Looking, I mean, looking at the highlights in 2018, which I just went through. That is a picture that I want to own. Looking at the some of the stuff, there aren't many highlights from 2019, but it looks wrong. So I think he's working his way back, because I wouldn't say that 2020 looked like the 2018 pitcher when you watched him. It still looked like a pretty darn good pitcher, though. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I would actually forecast him somewhere between as a mixture of 2018 and 2020. Yeah. In that... I think that he he's obviously not going to reach the lofty heights of 2018, but he's definitely not the 2019 pitcher. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is just a big whip progression. I mean, he still managed a 1.25 to be up way up at 1.25 this past year, as opposed to the 0.79. Yeah, guys still get guys still get hits off him. I mean, the question is, if he had a full season, would he have gone, which direction would he have gone? Would he have gone more towards 2018 or more towards 2019? I think, I think more towards 2018. I don't, I mean, I I don't see him. I agree. His career stats actually might not be the worst benchmark. Hmm. I'm looking at his career stats. 1.11 whip, 3.18 ERA. Maybe he can get that a shade down. 450 strikeouts in 274 innings. Okay. Yeah. That's that's still pretty darn good on the strikeout rate. Well, <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm kind of in. I, you know, I, I looking... I just had such a bad taste in my mouth from 2019 that I wasn't... You had a bad taste in your mouth from 2019. Don't tell me you had a bad taste in your mouth from 2019. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know him. That's but ridiculous. I know someone that did. Oh, oh, really? I do know someone that did? Yeah. I believe. So where does he? So where does he rank then? Where 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 does he rank in the closer mix? Um, I, well, I think that the tier behind the top three. I mean, Fantasy Pros has him as the third. Has, really? has him third. Who's fourth? Yeah. Iglesias. I mean, I buy that. I think, yeah, it's easy wow. to be. It falls off of a cliff. This is. I mean, I think if if Liam Hendricks had a team, I'm sure that he would be ahead of okay Iglesias and might be ahead of Diaz. Diaz is best is three, worst is twelve. Okay. 
I mean, and then Liam Hendricks is eight and twelve. I, so I think that's people are scared oh, away yeah, by scared. predicting I think, him. I think that's just somewhere early. in the. I would pu- I would put him between four and eight. Diaz. Yeah, like I mean, I can see paths where where Iglesias is better than him, but not more times. Yeah, but not more times. That's my point. Yeah, if you have you, your distribution of outcomes, you have you see can see Iglesias' little uh, bell curve a couple of times lower. Yeah, but not meaningfully so. I think Iglesias has a lower chance. Well, he's changing teams. But I was going to say, I think he has a lower chance of being outside the top 20. Like oh. Edwin Diaz found himself. Sure. No, I, I actually buy that too. I think I think that the tail of Edwin Diaz's distribution goes to really bad outcomes. Yeah. And I don't think that's true <laughs> for Iglesias. Yeah. But, I, but it's interesting. I, I mean, it. they are the natural two to compare, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're the guys that they are. They haven't reached Araldus Chapman level. Like they want to be Araldus Chapman, but they're not. Agreed. Wow, Kenley's sitting there at number six, and then just is right here, guys. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget about me. I'm not dead. <laughs> All right. Who are we doing this week? Well, I've been looking at these fantasy pros rankings, and if you sort on saves, they are stunningly predicting Matt Barnes of Boston to have 31 saves. Oh, why are you doing this? Don't do this. You cannot, you cannot show me somebody that's predicted to get 31 saves, and we haven't talked about it. <laughs> we have to talk about Matt Barnes. I'm sorry. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Hey.